Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Church and State. Uh, this is episode 32. And today we're covering the uh, the ongoing mandates uh, created by the state of emergency that uh, Rhode Island has been in for over 560-something days. Is that right, Jess? Oh, gosh. Since, what, March 9th, 2020? That's right. Uh, and uh, because of these mandates, we've, we've seen a lot of folks uh, who are resistant to the vaccinations for whatever reason, conscientious, uh, medical, religious, uh, just refusing to take it. And um, they're looking at losing their jobs. We'll, mm. we'll get into that as well. Uh, but that's also leading us to healthcare rationing. Um, if we have a uh, shortage in healthcare workers, which we're, we we already had, um, the, it's only going to be exacerbated by this um, uh, by, by dismissing all of these healthcare workers. So, Jess, why don't you walk us through the situation at Lifespan? Uh, that's the largest uh, healthcare provider, you know, hospital as Rhode Island Hospital and. And Hasbro Hospital, right and in Providence. A few others, yeah. Yeah, but uh, walk us through the situation there. Well, the situation is not good, and what we're looking at, healthcare shortages really turn into healthcare rationing. And because I've been so vocal, nurses, support staff, you name it, they reach out to me and they. Speak they just spill their guts. You know, they just tell me everything. Yeah. They're, they're sending you screenshots of, uh, you know, what, what, what the uh, vaccination numbers look like and right. stuff that maybe hospital, is... you know, sharing with them. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, Hey, this is, this is what's happening at the hospital. And so, yeah, they send me some pictures. And, um, one of them was that the hospital lifespan is at 85% vaccination, um, com in, in compliance with vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So, we're looking at 15% of healthcare workers that refuse to get the vaccine for religious reasons. Right. Um, Lifespan reported, this was the Providence, not Providence Journal, Boston Globe today reported that in July, there was a thousand employee, they had a, a thousand employee shortage. Mm -hmm. As of today, they have 1,800 um, almost, double. almost double, almost double, almost yeah. doubled how, and they were short before, and that was already leading to long wait times. So we have they they need eighteen hundred mm -hmm. to be fully staffed, wow. but that number is only going to grow because fifteen percent of their employees right. are going to be fired. Right. So we're talking about. And maybe not ER, right away. Maybe not right away, right? Not, because of the, it, some of the. It's um, going to be a slow trickle, yeah. Because mm -hmm. some people um, they're going to be kept on until they're replaced by a vaccinated worker. Right. Uh, they might be, but even those uh, people have to be. Uh, what do they call like uh, direct care? They're, they they have to have a vital role in a they, patient's yes. uh, care. It, exactly. Okay. Yeah. We're not talking about uh, janitors, right, or cafeteria workers. We're talking. For the most part, we're talking about healthcare providers. Yeah. Right. But um, so the other issue is that services in the Boston Globe, before I read it yesterday or mm -hmm. this morning, I should say, I had already received from one of the nurses the very same information, which yeah. was services are going to be limited. There are wings of the or sections of the hospital 
that are closing and that services will be limited, including outpatient and ambulatory care. So this and is the not- ER, the ER was partially shut down. I think at Rhode Island Hospital. Yeah. One woman said her mom was on a cot, like right near, like as people were coming in and out with mm -hmm. uh, like stretchers and she was scared and she sat there for hours and hours. So they're short staffed and they just, it's a scary thing to think about, honestly. It really is a, a crisis. It, it may is. not be something everyone sees because I, I, I don't know. I'm sure the media will be covering it, but um, I, I think uh, what I'm hearing from some people is they're worried about a mechanical injury. You know, in other words, they break a bone or, or they get sick or something and they have to go to the hospital in these these, these long wait periods. Um, and then I hear other people saying they're, they're concerned about a ailment they have, but they're just going to push it off. They're going to defer it until we get to the other side of this, whenever that is, um, because they don't want to have to worry about waiting and, and, um, uh, well, that's dangerous too. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got to take care of yourself, right? Right. So, um, one of the episodes I wanted to mention was one of the episodes that you and I had done, you had given us a really great history on Roger Williams. Mm. And that's something that I've shared with individuals who, will contact me and say, well, I'm not part, part of an organized religion or I'm part of the Catholic church, but my priest won't give me a, um, a letter of exemption. And, you know, I go to a, a Protestant church and they're not going to give me exemption, but the, this individual has a deeply held religious conviction. And yeah. so I tell them the story about Roger Williams and, um, do you want, do you want to give it a little bit? The story or I, I mean uh, roger williams was uh, today uh, rhode islanders have heard the name but i don't think they really understand just how important he was not just to rhode island's history but to the history of the country and maybe even the world yeah um there's a statue in geneva switzerland recognizing his contributions he's one of the like the nine or ten towering figures of the reformation because he he uh challenged the idea that you could force someone or coerce someone um, to believe differently than they wanted to believe. He was someone who believed that if you had a conscience, that was a gift from God and it was to be protected. It should never be violated. It should always be honored, always. And he, he practiced what he preached. Mm -hmm. He, uh, he respected the, the, the conscience, the convictions of the Native Americans. Yeah. He didn't try to be a missionary or anything. He's no, like, you I, have I mean, he believe. disagreed with them. Right. Uh, he was, he, he never uh, pretended to think that, uh, you know, some of their, the spiritual is, uh, spiritualism that they practiced was, was real. Right. He believed that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but he still said, Hey, that's what they believe. I'm right. going to allow them to do them. I'm not going to interfere with them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, try to change them. He just had, uh, deep respect for other people. And that got him in trouble with, uh, with others. I mean, he was very conservative as a, as a Christian, much more conservative than I think anyone I know today. His beliefs were not respected by the, the Puritans, you know, yeah. who themselves had left England and left Europe to go to a place where they could worship freely according to their conscience and their conviction. But the problem with the Puritans was it had to be uh, you could worship with them as long as you worshiped like them. And for Roger Williams, he didn't worship like them. He didn't necessarily share all of their, uh, their, their, their faith traditions. Right. So long story short, he comes to Rhode Island and founds this place and, and wants it to be a haven for dissenters, for people who believe differently. And, um, 
I, I mean, it's uh, it's sad that our state has forgotten and forsaken, you know, your words, forgotten and forsaken this uh, this towering person and the, the value that he gave us as a Contribution to our country. Right. I mean, the reason why we have a freedom of religion and the First Amendment and, right. and uh, a prohibition against the state from interfering with the free exercise of religion is because of Williams. Yeah. And I don't think people realize that it's not like he had a congregation, mm -hmm. like he had a church of 300. It was a church. It was him and his wife. Yeah. That was it. Right. Because nobody was would worship the way and that he saw was correct. Exactly. And so that was it. So yeah. when, when someone says you have to be part of a church that believes mm -hmm. the same as you, like say, you know, you're a Protestant or a Catholic and you're, no, you can have a different belief when it comes to this vaccine. And we've seen that there are individuals who feel very strongly that they cannot have the vaccine for whatever reason. Right. And so I'd like to go back to you because um, these religious exemptions are real mm -hmm. because the people will say, no, they're not real, but in fact they are. So right. give me a few. Well, uh, first it's important to recognize that our state does recognize religious exemptions under state law. But you know that because of the state of emergency, those state laws have been suspended. They haven't been recognized. Um, that's why the executive orders and the mandates have been able to just run roughshod over, yeah. over these uh, uh, exemptions. So I, I just wanted to clarify that and make sure people know that traditionally these have been, have been respected up until the state of emergency. And that's one reason why you've been fighting so hard to end it, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not a popular position for you. It's something that... Um, no, because if you're looking at the polling, mm -hmm. most people, even Republicans believe that people should just get vaccinated and, and and even it should be mandatory that should be mandatory and as i said i'm not against the vaccine right vaccines have done wonderful things for civilization but i'm anti-coercion in that there are individuals that cannot take the vaccine either for medical reasons or because they have a religious conviction yeah. regarding vaccines right. and we have to respect those people right right so I, you know, I'm going to have to push against, you know, the, the polls. And, right, right. And, For you, this is really about principle, not yeah. politics or parties or partisanship. This isn't about attacking a, go a governor who happens to be a Democrat. Right. It's, if, it's not a Democrat Republican thing because I've talked to Democrats and independents and Republicans mm -hmm. who feel the same way. Yeah. So it's not a party thing. It's a principle thing. Right. And I've always tried to put people above politics, uh, uh, principle above mm -hmm. politics. So, um, yeah. Okay. But anyways, back to the religions. Yes. Uh, religious exemptions. They are real. And um, I, I, I want to be clear. It, it's not like if you are filling out a paper or writing a letter uh, about your religious conviction, you can't just say, I don't want the vaccine because it's against my religion, or I don't want the vaccine because I don't trust what's in it, or I, I don't trust the government, or I don't like pharmaceutical companies. None of those are really good enough reasons. A in order to pass that religious exemption test, it, it, it has to go much deeper than, you know, it's just against my my religion. Um, for example, the, the uh, Christian scientist, which is a 
off branch or a denomination off of Christianity. Some might even call them a, a cult. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to get into the theology of them. I will just say Christian scientists, they believe that uh, uh, healing should only come from things that God created in nature, that it, it shouldn't be coming from even Tylenol. They, they don't take any medication. Christian scientists are famous for, uh, for believing that healing can solely come from God and through natural remedies. Um, so, but they're not alone. So obviously that would put vaccinations on the, the list of things that they could not take part in. Mm. So that's a whole denomination, right, of Christianity that uh, practices that. And then there are many Christians that believe that um, that life is sacred, that even in the womb, and that and because some of these, uh, or it may be all, I'm not a doctor, but my understanding is that a lot of the vaccinations are derived from uh, uh, cell lines that are derived from uh, aborted fetal tissues, mm -hmm. and that would be a, a violation of many of their consciences. Right. I mean, you and I have both. Um, uh, consider ourselves pro-life. Right. And uh, we know many people that want nothing to do with anything that's uh, wrapped up in or or been touched by abortion. Right. So the sanctity of life issue, that's a real concern. And I think that was the issue in New York, at least in part, right? Right. Um, if, if anyone was listening last week, uh, I think it was last week, there was a um, um, an injunction ordered in New York right. because uh, of a, a violation of, of this religious very religious... Rights, yeah. uh, uh, principle. Mm -hmm. And then another one would be uh, faith-based healing. There are other Christians that just say, listen, I, when sickness comes, I, I don't um, take any medication. I just invite God in to touch me, to heal me, to set me free from that. We see it in the Bible, so I want it over my life. And faith healing is a legitimate reason why many people may um, object to a, a vaccination, at least from a, a a religious point of view. Right. And then there are Pentecostals or charismatics, you know, uh, Christians who believe that, yes, God speaks through the Bible and God can speak through my pastor, but God can also speak to me as a person and the Holy Spirit can speak to me and touch my conscience and lead me and guide me. And some of them have said, the Holy Spirit has told me, or Jesus has told me not to take the vaccine. All of those, every single one of those, in my opinion, would be a legitimate, um, a legitimate uh, uh, exemption or, or reason for concern. But I think, you know, there's two other points I want to make just related to these religious exemptions. Uh, first, I know that uh, when someone fills out the religious exemption, somebody has to review it. And the thing I get uncomfortable with is who is going to review it? Who's on this tribunal or this panel that's going to be the arbiter of someone's faith? You know, I have a master's degree in, in, um, uh, theological studies. And I would not feel comfortable telling people what to believe or uh, certainly not an, uh, a stranger where I don't even know if we worship the same God. So, so um, yeah, I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, who's going to be the arbitrators because a lot of these folks are, they, they have a degree or a work experience in HR, right? In human resources, but that doesn't make them trained or experienced to deal with these deep, complicated uh, questions of faith. Um, and then lastly, I think it's just worth mentioning that uh, if, if someone does have a religious exemption, they shouldn't just be relying on what their church um, or their church leader or their denomination uh, says. I think it really comes down to what you personally believe. And that's not just me. I'm not a lawyer. But when I spoke to a couple of attorneys about this, they just said, really, it does come down to your personal conviction. That's what's going to carry the day and what 
will be most persuasive when they're uh, uh, trying to speak to people about these things. Those are all excellent points. Um, I hear from from individuals who will say, yeah, well, the, the Pope said, well, not everyone's Catholic. And even in the Catholic faith, there are priests who don't agree with the, the stance with the abortive fetal uh, tissue being used in, in deriving these vaccines. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, ch churches aren't monolithic. Uh, yeah. Well, they are, right? There is the Catholic Church, and you have a pope, and you have the bishops and archbishops, all that. Uh, and same thing in churches. You have denominations where people believe the same thing. But Roger Williams didn't act that way. When when he founded our, our state, it was on the idea that you as an individual could have a conscience and convictions that were different from the rest of society or even your own denomination. And that's something he lived out, he practiced, and thank God it's our birthright as a state. And as a country. And as a country. Yeah, yeah. thanks to Roger Williams. Um, I'll be submitting the petition uh, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast. I've got one uh, circulating, asking everyone to sign on who'd like to see an end to the state of emergency, which makes these mandates possible. Mm -hmm. um, How many signatures do you have? Over 5,729. Something like that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the number. Um, so if you want to join in, sign the petition, share it with your friends if you'd like. I'll be submitting it next week. And um, we're going to keep pushing for what's right, not necessarily what's popular, but what's right. And... Um, have a great weekend. Stick around for today's closing quote. Today's closing quote actually comes from a follower on Facebook, June Arribas. And she said this about Rhode Island's founding father, Roger Williams. He, she said, Roger Williams really could not be held down. I admired his love of freedom, respect for other people, and willingness to adapt to others' needs instead of forcing his ideas on everyone else. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 